0: Canine Nation ebooks are now available. The first two volumes, Dogs as They Are and Teaching Dogs Effective Learning, are available in bookstores now. More on how you can get them at the end of this podcast. Welcome to Canine Nation Audio Edition. It's Monday, June 10th, 2013. Canine Nation is a regular feature column that runs on the Life as a Human online magazine. Life as a Human features articles about what it means to be human, the good, the bad, and the enlightening. This column explores what it means to be human in our relationship with dogs. You can find it at lifeasahuman.com. To get directly to Canine Nation, go to caninenation.lifeasahuman.com. A complete archive of all the Canine Nation articles can be found there. Hi, I'm Eric Brad. Canine Nation is about learning, understanding, and living successfully with our dogs. Modern animal training techniques based on behavioral science can produce amazing results in working with our dogs. Whether your dog is a loved family member or a working dog, a canine athlete, or a trusted companion, Positive training techniques based on science can help you enjoy a more productive and fun relationship with your dog. Join us as we explore the many facets of living with our dogs and taking a fresh look at how we work with them. Whether it's taking a closer look at everyday issues we share with our dogs or busting long standing myths about training and dog behavior, I hope you find something useful in each of the Canine Nation articles. We're glad you're with us. Now, here's this week's installment. What to do if you think your dog is dominant. It is perhaps the most misunderstood and misinterpreted term I hear when people talk about dogs, and I hear it a lot. My dog is trying to be dominant. See, he's trying to dominate me. She just thinks she's the alpha dog in this house. Alpha being a reference to dominance hierarchies. Surprisingly, the people who use this phrase frequently aren't referring to any standard, accepted behavior or behaviors in dogs that we can define as dominant. It has just become a catch-all term for unwanted behaviors. The trouble with the whole dominant conversation is that it assigns a motivation to the dog. We don't know what their motivations are. We don't have any ability to know with certainty what dogs are thinking when they do things. Too often, this speculation comes layered with a healthy portion of the human preconceptions and biases we have. We act on what we think the dog is doing, and we could be very wrong. One of the biggest problems with the whole dominant discussion is that there is not really a clear, common meaning that is widely accepted and used. Some people use it to mean some sort of hierarchy, a pecking order, where there are those who are in charge and their subordinates in some sort of ranking structure, that whole pack leader thing. Others use the term to describe aggressive behaviors, such as growling, refusing to get off furniture, or guarding resources like food or toys. Still others use it to describe any behavior the dog exhibits in order to avoid complying with a cue or command. If we are using a word like dominant that has so many meanings to so many different people, how can we use it in any meaningful way? Chances are, we can't. Not without defining what we mean every time we use the word. That's going to make solutions to our dog problems a little complicated. How can you know if your dog is dominant? Well, chances are, they aren't. And you are just using the wrong word for what you mean. One of the most common uses for the term dominant refers to who's in charge, the dog or the human. In my opinion, it also happens to be the most ridiculous and incorrect uses. The assumption in this usage is that the dog wants to be in charge or the leader of the household. Think for a minute about all of the dogs you have met or have owned. Has any one of them ever made any effort to dictate what you eat for dinner? How about which pillows you sleep on? what books you read, where you choose to eat your meals. The fact is, unless it directly involves them and their needs, most dogs couldn't give a hoot about what you're doing with your life. This is where it is important to understand the evolutionary path of dogs. While they might have once been wolves, our modern dogs evolved as scavengers. Their primary skills are directed toward finding easy, reliable access to food, shelter and safety these are not the cunning pack hunters that their ancestors were that scavenger nature goes a long way to explaining why our dogs don't get any reward out of controlling things just for the sake of having power and control there just isn't anything in it for them dogs seek to control stuff that they want for themselves period in his book Dog Sense, author and behaviorist John Bradshaw offers a compelling alternative to the outdated and often misused term dominance. Bradshaw refers to this model as resource holding potential, or RHP. In the RHP framework, the dog isn't seeking to dominate or establish any kind of imagined rank in some hypothetical social hierarchy. Instead, the dog has identified a resource she wants and then assesses her chances at getting and holding on to that resource. It could be that they want to chew on a particular bone. It could be that they are afraid that their food bowl will be taken away prematurely. It might even be that they prefer the companionship of their human. In any of these cases, a dog may display what is commonly called dominant behaviors, but the goal is not to show anyone who is boss. They just want that resource the fact that they may be using an aggressive or pushy approach is likely due to the fact that they have thought about their options and think that those behaviors are the most likely to get them what they want. The RHP framework that Bradshaw refers to makes sense in another important way. Many dog owners who talk about their dominant dog in a multi-dog household will also tell you about times when their alpha dog lets another dog have their favorite toy or didn't rush to be first out the door. Social hierarchies are, by definition, absolute. The top dog is the top dog always, and others will have to defer to them. But the reality with our dogs is much more flexible than that. From the dog's perspective, there are several things to take into account when deciding whether or not to defend or acquire a resource. Is it a rare resource? How badly do I need it? Can I win it given the competition? How badly do my competitors want it? Is the energy I need to expend to get it and hold it worth the effort? There are lots of questions, and the answer to most of them is, it depends. It's just not a hard and fast decision every time. There are times when a food-motivated dog isn't that hungry. There are times when the ball-obsessed dog is just too tired to care about the ball and there are times when the older dog just can't be bothered to take the toy away from the young upstart. If this dominance thing were really about maintaining some sort of status position, you would think the top dog would always be motivated to fight for their spot in the hierarchy. If not for this particular resource, then for the ones they might want exclusive access to in the future. When it comes right down to it, this whole dominance thing is just convenient. It's convenient for us humans because it's a neat little catch all term that lets us explain things in simple, easy to understand human terms. If we are not really correct in how we characterize our dogs, and we punish them unnecessarily for things they aren't necessarily doing, well, it's really about our own convenience after all, isn't it? For our dogs, the convenience comes in a very different package. They don't care what we call their actions. What they care about is getting what they want. As author and dog trainer Jean Donaldson says in her book The Culture Clash, dogs do what works. Don't want to be bothered while eating? Growl. The humans back off. Don't want that toy taken away? Snap at them. That seems to back them off quite nicely. Don't want to get off a nice comfy couch when you're asked to? Pretend you didn't hear them and continue lying there. If it works, it's worth doing again. The first thing to do if you think your dog is dominant is to stop, sit down, have a cup of tea, and think. If you are honest, your dog isn't trying to wrestle control of the family budget away from you. He's not after your job or your status in society. Your dog just wants stuff. And you know what? Your dog should have his stuff. But there needs to be a mutually agreeable system for getting stuff that it's okay to have. Many of us call that dog training. It's pretty simple to do. If you want to lie on the couch, you have to get off when I ask you. If you want to get fed, you have to tolerate me being around you and even picking up the bowl from time to time. But I promise you will get enough to eat and not be bothered that much. If you want toys to play with, you have to give them to me, with the occasional trade for a different toy or food treat, when I ask for it. It's an easy system. But it's a system, and systems need to be taught. Your dog isn't going to figure this out on his own. It takes a bit of time and some effort, but it works. Letting go of the idea that your dog is dominant is just the first step, but it's a necessary one. As long as you continue to blame your dog for being dominant, you are avoiding one simple fact. You are just making excuses for not properly training and working with your dog. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Canine Nation. You can find the text version of it at caninenation.lifeisahuman.com. Teaching Dogs, Effective Learning is the second Canine Nation ebook to be released. It is a collection of essays from the Life as a Human online magazine on how we train and teach our dogs and what we can learn in the process. The book includes introductory notes for each essay as well as two essays written specifically for this book. Also available is the first Canine Nation ebook, Dogs as They Are, a look at what our dogs are where they have come from, and how they adapt to our lives. Both books are available in the Canine Nation store in Kindle format, EPUB format for iPads, Kobo, Nook, and other e-readers, or a special PDF edition formatted for instructors that includes licensing for reprints for students. Just go to caninenation.ca and click on the store link at the top of the page. You can also find Canine Nation e-books in the Amazon store on Apple iTunes, at booktango.com, and other online booksellers. You can join our discussion about dogs and dog training on Facebook. Just search for Canine Nation to get to our group. You can ask for membership, and we'll add you to our growing family. If you can spread the word about the podcast, or link to our caninenation.lifeisahuman.com page, we would certainly appreciate it. That's it for now.